I'm going to read part of our scripture tonight, and then I'll just pray with you real quick. Luke chapter 1, this is the first of two letters that Luke is going to write. He's going to write this letter here, and then eventually, again, he'll write Acts. And if you'll notice in Acts chapter 1, it says, The former treatise I have made unto the O Theophilus. The former treatise. Well, you'll see here in Luke 1, this is the first letter that he sent the, to this Theophilus, and Acts is the second letter. And it says here in verse 1, For as much as, as, as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses, and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. And of course, Luke is wanting to ver- just give a, 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 a written letter of, of verification of all of these, the eyewitness accounts of the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel and all of these things. And uh, he goes on in verse 5 here. And he says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of God, I'm sorry, in the ordinances of the Lord, blameless. They had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And we'll just stop there and we'll we'll dive into this chapter here in just a minute. Father, thank you for your word tonight. For the prayer requests, we lift them to you. We are looking to you. Father, for those that uh, with health needs and and uh, think of Barbara's son-in-law in the hospital still. I pray you'd um, just and uh, trying to get home as well. Uh, just uh, pray you would uh, bring healing to his body, complete healing. Pray for uh, Brother Russell Klein. Pray for uh, for Brother Cummings, or uh, Brother Perkins, Lord. And God, I just pray that you give them grace and peace at this time, give the families uh, the grace that they need and the help that they need as they tend. Give the doctors wisdom, and uh, uh, Lord, that right decisions would be made there as well. Uh, Lord, we we'll uh, pray about the weather coming up tomorrow. A lot of people on the road. Micah's got to go into work, and I know Brother Jack's out there driving, and uh, Father, we just ask you for safety and and uh, that uh, you, you'd help them to get to their destinations tomorrow without any incident and and uh, and just uh, keep them safe uh, safe that way as well. Pray for Barbara and the tests and the meetings with the surgeon coming up. And Father, we just ask you to intervene and just take away any uh, any major issue that might be there, Lord. That you just deal with it. And uh, uh, we'd love to hear a report that there's nothing at all to worry about. And Everything's fine. We ask you for that tonight. And then, Father, we uh, just look to you for your word tonight, that you teach us tonight. You teach us in your word. And, uh, uh, Lord, that it would mold us, that it would make us, that it would uh, encourage us, that it would uh, challenge us, uh, Lord, to be the servants that you want us to be. And uh, we ask you uh, to help us in that tonight. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I want to draw your attention back to the time of the kings. And if you go back into 
we're not going to we don't need to turn there tonight but if you would if you would find your way at some time back in a second chronicles chapter 16 you'll find that uh, Israel is a divided nation there's a northern kingdom there is a southern kingdom and of the southern kingdom which is called Judah Asa at this point is king and while Asa is king of the southern kingdom, Basha is king of the northern kingdom. If you remember, the kingdoms became divided after Solomon and his son Rehoboam just messed things up and everything. Israel, uh, kind of more of like a civil civil war almost, not a war, but they divided, set, uh, split the nation up, and it, was, it had stayed divided uh, for many, 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 many years. And so there was a problem going on with Asa and Basha, a family fight per se that was going on because Asa was a great king. And really, it's like Judah was like Florida of the Middle East. I mean, everybody wanted to go to Florida. Everybody wanted to go to Judah. Everybody wanted to, to leave Israel, the northern kingdom, and they're wanting to live in the southern kingdom because it was like Asa was a great king and, and it was prospering and God was prospering him and he had a heart for God and he was doing well. And uh, God had delivered him already from some enemies because he turned to him and he turned to God. And it was just, I mean, things were great in Judah. So people are leaving. And so Basha's like, wait a minute, this isn't good. He, and so he's trying to stave off the bleeding. And so he builds a wall. I mean, boy, implications in that, right? He builds a wall not to keep people out, but to keep his people in. And so while he's building this wall, Asa realizes, oh, this isn't good. And they're kind of in, the, they're just in a fight. They're fighting over the whole thing. And it was, strangely enough, Asa, now he has a, a, a 35 year history of walking with God at this point. I mean, God has shown himself mighty on Asa's behalf. I mean, I, I love the, 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 the early life of Asa. He just believed God and he went out and he just cleaned house in Israel and God honored him and, and showed himself mighty on his behalf. It was, it was a, it's a, a great life that Asa had, but some weird reason right here, right here, he, uh, calls up the king of Syria. And says, hey, I'll give you money. Would you come help us? So he takes money out of the temple treasury to pay off Ben-Hadad of Syria. And so Ben-Hadad of Syria comes up and helps Judah fight. Okay, Syria, not Israelites, pagans, helps Judah fight against their kinsmen of the northern kingdom of, of Israel. And of course, what Basha does, or uh, uh, what uh, Basha, king of Israel, does is he stops building the wall and he goes away. And Asa ends up tearing down the wall and, uh, and all, all's well. Except a prophet shows up. Hanani, the seer, show up and he finds Asa and he begins to say, Hey, what are you doing? Didn't God show himself mighty to you already? Didn't God deliver you from the Egyptians and from the Lubims who had a very great army and had chariots? I mean, they, they, they should have ran right over the top of you and you turned to God and God showed up and he delivered you. Why, why would you do this? Wait, wait, wait. You trusted God and he delivered you, right? And now Syria's got away. So was he saying that the, the prophet of God was saying, really, Syria shouldn't have been brought in as a as a as a partner. Syria should have been uh, run out of town as an enemy. But you brought an enemy to come in and fight against your brethren. Really messed up. And uh, the inference here was this. 
God would have done it again. If you had a problem, even with your kinsmen, you had a heart for God. If you just turned to God, he would have come to you and aided you in taking care of the situation. But this is what Hanani the seer says to Asa in verse 9 of chapter 16. He says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. God is looking for perfect hearts. God is looking for a perfect heart. He isn't necessarily looking for a certain person. He's looking for a certain heart, regardless of who the person is. A perfect heart. What is a perfect heart? In 1 Kings 11, 4, the Bible says this, For it came to pass, when Solomon was old, that his wives turned away his heart from other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. What is a perfect heart? Well, number one, a perfect heart is a heart that doesn't love other gods. A perfect heart is a heart that loves God only. And I'm going to tell you tonight, in America, we have a lot of idolatry. We have a lot of gods out there. We have a lot of things that that people's heart is toward and not to God. How many aren't here tonight? For no reason at all, except they just chose not to be here. Friend, that's a heart away from God. No, some are providentially hindered. We're not talking about that. But there's plenty that just choose not to be here. It's a heart. Listen, it's, we have a lot of idolatry in this world and in, the, in our nation. A perfect heart is a heart that doesn't love other gods. A perfect heart is a heart that lives the same. This is a tough one. It lives the same in secret places. Psalm 101, verse 2, David said, I'll behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. It seems to me like the inference there is that David, David's concern of his heart at this point was even as he's in his own home, in his own domain, not out in public, but just around, you know what? His heart was right wherever he wanted to be. God even said, even with his sin, and even with his, with his, his, his really, really, really bad, heinous sins, God said that David was still a man after his own heart. I heard a preacher today say this, David was a great sinner, but he was a great repenter. And that was the difference. That was the difference. Uh, a, a, a perfect heart doesn't love other gods. A perfect heart is a heart that lives the same everywhere it is. Number three, a perfect heart is a heart that willingly gives. Second Chronicles 29 and verse 9, the Bible says, Then the people rejoiced, for they offered willingly. Because with a perfect heart, they offered willingly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced with great joy. They rejoiced. What, what was their rejoicing? Because they offered willingly because they had their willing offering was because of their heart. They had a perfect heart, the Bible says. So a, part, a perfect heart is a heart that is, here it is, number one, single in its object, God alone. A perfect heart is a heart that is single in its character, one lifestyle alone. 
A perfect heart is a heart that is single in its giving. It's just, it has one joy. It wants to give. Jesus said, give and it shall be given unto you. Do you realize when Jesus said that he wasn't talking about money? He didn't say monetarily, although that is included. But a life, a heart that is a perfect heart is a heart that is a giving heart, whether it's of yourself, whether it's of your money, whether it's of your time, whether it's of your energy, it just rejoices to give unto God. That's a perfect heart. So when God wants to do something big, this is the kind of heart he's looking for. Not a certain person, not just a man. Do you realize in in verse 9, it doesn't say anything about a man or a woman. It just says, it says, uh, on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect, on behalf of them, who's them? Whoever has the perfect heart, whether it is a man, whether it is a woman, whether it's a child, God's looking for a perfect heart. A child, yeah. Remember Josiah? 16 years old, he began to seek the Lord. Absolutely. And listen, God is looking for a perfect heart. Now, Elizabeth and Zechariah. Luke chapter 1, we saw here a godly, a godly couple. Would you, would you look at this, Zacharias and Elizabeth? Uh, Zacharias was the priest. Elizabeth was of the lineage of Aaron. She was of the tribe of Levi. Levi. She's in the lineage of, of, of these Levites. And they had no children. We know the story of, of uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth. They have no children. Elizabeth was barren. And notice in verse 6, it says here, And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Wow. No, really. That's, now, it doesn't say sinless. Sinless and blameless are two different things. Blameless meaning kind of like the same with Job, right? He wasn't sinless, but he was blameless. Why? He took care of sin when it needed to be taken care of. The moment that sin is taken care of, listen, it, it's, it's under the blood and you're blameless. You're blameless, right? So they were both righteous before God. They walked in all the commandments. They walked in all of the ordinances. God said they were blameless. And now both of them are old. Time has run out. She is barren. Why? Uh, Well, she's barren because she's been barren her whole life, obviously. But now uh, her barrenness has come to a point where uh, biologically she's too old to have children. The door has closed biologically. Hope is gone biologically. And so here in verses 8 through 20, Zechariah is in the temple. He's doing what he always, what he's, what his lot was to do. He's a priest. Obviously, uh, the priests get chosen for different duties and different jobs. And one of his jobs, and this is interesting, was to burn incense. Look at verse 8, would you? And it came to pass while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, According to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. I don't want to take a lot of time for, for all of this, but there's some really uh, neat things here that are kind of not hidden away, but you need to rightly divide these and look into these, and there's some really fun stuff in here. So his lot, his, his job description, he was chosen to burn incense uh, upon the altar of incense. This incense was a mixture of four different uh, spices. In Exodus chapter 30 and verse 34, let me read it for you. The Bible says this, And the Lord said unto Moses, Take unto thee sweet spices, stacte, and uh, onica, 
and galbanum. These sweet spices with pure frankincense of each shall there be a like weight. So equal measures of each one of these sweet spices. And these spices were taken. They were taken in the mortar and the pestle and they were ground down. And they were taken to be burnt as incense upon that altar of incense. I wish I could have a, a draw it out for you and maybe you could go look it up later. That would really be really neat. Later tonight, go, go to Google and look up the tabernacle. And you'll see that there is the outer court and then there's the, the a doorway into the the holiest uh, uh, into the holy place. And as you walk into that doorway centered is the altar, a golden altar of incense where they would burn this incense. Now watch if you're facing forward here, you're going to, after the altar of incense is the, is the, uh, is the veil that separates the Holy of Holies where the high priest only went in once a year and applied at young Kippur, they applied the, 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 the atoning blood of the Passover lamb to the, to the altar altar there once a year. So here we are. You're looking forward to that. You're looking at the, the veil. In front of that veil is the uh, altar of incense, a golden altar. To the right of that altar is the table of showbread, okay, the bread. And to the left of it is the candlestick, the menorah, that eight, those eight candles uh, on the menorah. So you have bread, you have prayer, and you have light, okay? Bread, prayer, light. Jesus Christ. He's the bread of life. He is our access to the Father. He is the light of the world. He lights the whole world. I, I, I love it. There's so many, so many things in there of that. Now, the burning of the incense was a picture. It was a reminder. It was a, a symbol of our prayers unto God. And that's why they were to be uh, going at twice a day. They would burn these, these, uh, the incense here. Listen to Revelation 5, 8. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps. This is where people get the idea of angels floating in clouds with harps, you know. Anyway, it was the four and twenty elders. They had harps and golden vials full of odors. Okay. I'm all messed up. Let me find this. Yeah. Full of odors. Listen to this. Which are the prayers of the saints. There is, listen, there is a scent to our prayers that God enjoys. God enjoys that. Do you know, I read, I read late or earlier today that some have said that the, 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 the smell of the altars of the incense here at the altar of incense, that smell, they have record of people saying they could smell those spices up to 12 miles away from the temple of Jerusalem. Yeah. Listen to Revelation 8, 1 through, actually turn over there, would you? Let's look at this. Revelation chapter 8. Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of a half an hour. And, the, and I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And, other angel, and another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne and the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. 
So we see here the symbolism here at the altar of incense. Prayer. Prayer. Okay? Don't forget that prayer. We're going to come to it again. So it says here in our text that here he is inside. He's lighting the incense. He's offering up the prayers. And outside, outside of the temple, people are praying as well. Verse 10, and the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. Uh, most likely they were all, all these people were on the outside of the temple because this was the Sabbath day. And they had, they had come to the temple for this very time of, of praying. Okay. Now verse 11, notice here, Gabriel is going to show up. So he's offering the incense and while he's coming in there, he notices, whoa, to the right of the altar, between the altar and the table of showbread, an angel of the Lord shows up. And if you'll notice this here in verse 11, there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Verse 12, and when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled. Yeah, fear fell upon him. That makes sense. But the angel said unto him, fear not, Zacharias. Now catch this. Don't miss this. Thy prayer is heard. Wait a minute. I love this. He's offering incense because it's his job to do it. He was chosen for this as the priest. It was his lot to burn the incense. While he's going through his job, standing in front of the altar of incense, which is the symbol of our prayers unto God, the angel of God comes and stands next to the altar of incense and says, God's heard your prayer. <laughs> I love that. I love God. This is going to be a big prayer answer. Okay, this is something huge. God is doing something in such a way that he's like, I'm going to do it really a cool way because this is huge. So he comes and he says, thy prayer is heard and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son and that shall call his name John. So hold on a minute. Zacharias obviously has been praying for a son for quite some time. Now we don't know how long ago he stopped because obviously the text says, and they realize, that Elizabeth was past the time of bearing children. Can I tell you something? When God wants to do big things, you'll notice in the Word of God, it's a long time before the request is answered. And a lot of times when He finally shows up, not finally, I don't mean it that way, but when, when the time is right and the fullness of time comes and he, and he shows up, I'm telling you, a lot of times it's a big thing. He does it in a big way. Don't quit praying. Don't quit praying for people. Don't quit praying for those that need the gospel. Don't, get, don't quit praying for family that needs to come back to the Lord. Don't stop praying. God is working behind the scenes. Trust Him, would you? So, you see, He's been praying. He says, Thy prayer has been heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And He goes on to explain here, um, what is going to come with this. It's, it's really neat. Okay. He goes on. He said he's going to be a great blessing. Verses 14 through 17. Verse 17. He's going to go through the, before him with the spirit of uh, the power of Elias, of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Okay. So this is, this is pretty pretty big. Right. 
This is, this is the one, watch, that you, Elizabeth, is going to conceive. You two are going to have a child. And this is going to be the, 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 the man that was prophesied in Isaiah 40 that is going to be the one who may, prepares the way for the Messiah. You're not just going to get a son. You're going to get John the Baptist. This is awesome. And look, look, look at verse 18, though. Look what, look what Zechariah says. He says to the angel, whereby shall I know this? How am I going to know this? <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot of places you can go here. Okay. How am I going to know this? For I am an old man and my wife, well, stricken in years. Well, when she shows up pregnant, Bubba, you're going to know it. Right? How am I going to know this? Now, I love Gabriel's answer. Because this, and he's going to say it here in a minute, it's unbelief. But I, I, I find this funny. I really do. And I hope you do as well. Because he's wondering, I'm old. My wife's old. Uh, he doesn't, really, he doesn't believe Gabriel. And he says, how am I going to know this? And the angel answering said unto him, uh, I'm Gabriel. This is a pretty big deal. It's like who else gets it? The angel of the Lord, right? The only two named angels in the Bible are Michael and Gabriel, right? They both have two very different jobs. Michael is the one who goes and just slaughters people. Gabriel is the one who comes and tells good news, right? And uh, so he says, I'm Gabriel, buddy. I'm, I'm pretty, uh, look what he goes on to say. I stand in the presence of God. Like I'm just going to come and just make this up. Look what he says. And am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee the glad tidings. God sent me to you. I'm an angel. I have no, I have no authority of myself just to show up and, and, and just tell you some stuff that I just made up. Like, hey, guess what? Uh, you're going to give birth to a, a son named John. Ha <laughs> ha, just kidding. Right? You hear out of heaven, Gabriel, get back here. <laughs> I mean, this is, I, I don't know. I just really think he's funny. I do. He says, I'm Gabriel. Who else is going to tell you this? Look what he says, though. This isn't so funny, though. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that, thou, that these things shall be for, performed. Why? Because thou believest not my words. Why was this so, was, was it so, watch, was it so big that he didn't believe Gabriel? No. He said, my words. Who were his, what were his words? The words of God. He said, you didn't believe God. Yeah. And because you didn't believe him, you're going to be dumb. You're not going to be able to speak until it all comes to pass. And as we see, this is what happens. He gives birth. Uh, or she gives birth. He don't give birth. Elizabeth gives birth. They say, oh, let's name him Zacharias. She says, no, his name's John. They said, huh? Nobody's named John in your family. Where'd you come up with that? And uh, Zacharias says, gives motions, brings a tablet, writes it out. His name's John. Boom, all of a sudden he talks. And he's praising God. He's prophesying. Everybody's like, whoa, that's weird. Right? It's really cool. It really was. But you see here, Zachariah didn't believe what the angel said. He was a just man. He was a godly man. 
He had a heart after God. He walked in all the commandments of God. He was blameless. But right here, right here, he had a little trip up. And he didn't believe him. You know, later in our chapter here, there's another appointment, though. Gabriel's going to leave here. And six months later, he's going to find Mary. Look at verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. So Elizabeth now is six months pregnant. Gabriel goes to Mary, goes to Nazareth. He shows himself to Mary and he has some really incredible words to say to Mary. Verse 28, the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Notice what the angel said to her. This is from God. Remember, he's sent from God. These angels don't say their own words. They say what God tells them to say. He says, Mary, you're highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Wow, she's pretty special. Not sinless, right? Down in verse 47, she says, she's going to say, My spirit rejoiced, hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. Oh, she wasn't sinless. Yeah. But God said she was highly favored. The Lord is with her. Blessed art thou among women. Verse 29, she's confused. She's scared. Verse 30, Gabriel reassures her. He says, thou hast found favor with God. So watch, God has now chosen Mary to conceive the Messiah. Now, Zacharias and Elizabeth, Elizabeth is going to conceive because they're husband and wife. And she's going to conceive naturally and biologically naturally. But Mary is going to conceive the Messiah outside of the natural biological well. We know that. Unlike Zacharias, can I tell you this? We have no indication here that Mary has been praying for a son. <laughs> she's not even married yet. I mean, she's betrothed. I don't have time to go through all that. It's, it's wonderful and fascinating. But they are legally husband and wife, but they have not come together as husband and wife. We know they haven't because, because Joseph was like, wait a minute, I've not been with her. And he was getting ready to, he thought, I'll just put her away quietly. Right? That's how sure he was that it wasn't his. And Mary says, I've not been with anybody. And, and God had to go to Joseph and say, it's okay. It's all right. What has been done unto Mary is done to the Holy Ghost. So Mary hasn't been praying for a son. She's not married. She hasn't been with a man. Uh, God, watch, God chose Mary without her consent to upend her plans and dreams to give birth out of wedlock. Don't pass by that too quickly. Do you not think Mary had dreams in her life? Do you not think Mary and Joseph had thought plans for their life together? She was obviously a godly woman. Joseph was a godly man, obviously. Right? They had some plans for their life. I, I would be hard-pressed to believe that Mary ever thought once, I'd like to have a child out of wedlock. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to really just upend my life. 
I'd like people, no matter what happens, no matter how, how much we could tell them that this was of God and, and it was not of man, I, I would just really love for the rest of my life people thinking I just lived a life of fornication. John chapter 8. Don't you remember what the Pharisees said to Jesus? Uh, yeah, right? Abraham is our father. We were not born of fornication. Oh, that was a stab. That was a stab. They believed Jesus was just born out of wedlock. God chose Mary without her consent to upend her plans. So Mary questions Gabriel. Look at verse 34. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost... Oh, I'm sorry, verse 30. Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Now this wasn't a question of unbelief. This was a question of logic. She's not saying, uh, you know, she's, she's not saying, you know, like unbelief, I don't believe you. She's saying, how, how are you going to do this? Like she wants to know, how is this going to be done? She doesn't, she doesn't not believe him. She believes him and is trying to figure out how it's going to happen. And so Gabriel answered and said, verse 35, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore shall also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. It says here, the power of the highest. That word power is that word dunamis. It is the word for dynamite. The power of God. The dynamite of God. Think how much power it takes to speak the universe into existence. <laughs> yeah. The power of the highest. The power of God. It says, shall overshadow thee. It has that inference, that overshadowing has the picture of the cloud that would follow Israel in the wilderness and overshadow them and keep them uh, protected uh, from the heat and the sun and things like that and would, would they, would, that they would follow. Overshadowing. Watch. The conception process is performed by the creative action of God. And because of that, this child is going to be called the Son of God. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God, the entire Godhead was involved in, 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 in the uh, incarnation of Jesus Christ. The Father willed it. The, the Son said, I'll go. And the Holy Spirit was the power that made it happen, that brought conception, that, that put that seed in the woman, that brought conception and uh, brought about Jesus. So Gabriel tells Mary that her cousin's pregnant. <laughs> she found out. <laughs> That's why when she goes to Elizabeth, it's, it, you can go on and read it later. I don't have time to get there. And then Gabriel leaves Mary with one more thought. Look at verse 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Do you believe that? That's a, that's a really good verse not to brush over too quickly. You know, David talks about, in the Bible, all, all through the Bible talks about the, you know, about the memorization and the meditation of the Word. 
David constantly talked about meditating on the word in his law. You know, the Bible says Psalm 1 that the, 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 the godly man, he, that he, his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law doth he meditate day and night. What, what does that mean? You think about it. You ruminate on it. You chew on it. Right? You let the Holy Spirit of God uh, do a work in you. No, meditate on this. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. I think one of the most astounding things out of this whole passage is verse 38. I love Mary's response to Gabriel. Look at verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, like here I am, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. That word handmaid is the word, uh, is the word doula. If a couple of our girls went had a doula, if you go to midwives to give birth, to have a lady that helps, they call it a doula, right? Brendan, did you know that? Really? I'm surprised. So, <laughs> you know what doula means? It is a female slave. When Mary got the news that God had chosen her to give birth to the Messiah, and she was going to give birth to a child outside of wedlock, yeah, she said, Behold, the slave of the Lord. Wow. Zacharias actually questioned and didn't believe. Mary said, look what it says, verse 39. I'm sorry, verse 38. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Look at the rest of that. Be it unto me according to thy word. Yeah. She said, do it to me. Yeah. I'm the slave of God. Whatever you want to do, I'm good. Wow. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. You know why I think God chose Mary? I think we see it in her answer. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Whatever you want, wherever you want, however you want, whatever you want to do, I belong to you. That's fine with me. Whatever you want me to do. She said, the handmaid of the Lord. You know why I think God chose Mary? Second Chronicles 16.9 For the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of them. Not man. Not woman. Man or woman. Boy or girl. Upon the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Remember, God chooses hearts, not people. Yeah. You know why I think God chose Mary? Because she had a perfect heart. How do you know she had a perfect heart? Behold the handmaid of the Lord. <laughs> Be it unto me, even as I, according to thy word. She had a heart for God. She had a perfect heart. It was single in its object. She was a handmaid of the Lord, Jehovah God. It was single in its character. 
she, the Gabriel even said, uh, you know, she was highly favored. Her singleness, her, her singleness of heart was seen, was seen in her favor. Do you see that word there? It says uh, down here, let me go back to it. Verse 30, for thou hast found favor with God. That phrase there, thou hast found. <coughs> it's really, it's, 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 it's one word in Greek. And it means this, to find by inquiry, by thought, by examination, scrutiny, observation. Listen to this, to find out by practice and experience. Do you remember back in Genesis chapter 6? The Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. No, God, did, he, he didn't like find grace like, oh, God, God found him and, no. Mo, Noah found grace because he was looking for it. He was following, he was walking after God. <clears throat> it says here, Mary was highly favored with God. Why? Because she was already, had a lifestyle of finding out by practice and experience the favor of God. She was looking for God's favor. She wanted God's favor. She wanted God to say, I'm pleased. You know, we talk about it all the time. You know, people say it all the time. When, when I get to heaven, the only thing I want to hear is, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I think we ought to want to hear it now. I, th- I mean, listen, with the indwelling spirit of God, we know when it's there and we know when it's not. <laughs> but, but see, watch, the heart of Mary was to, uh, to uh, find out by practice and experience she desired the favor of God. She was looking for God. And God chose her. Notice this, her heart was single in giving. Remember what I told you about a perfect heart? Single in object, single in its character, single in its giving. Be it unto me. God, you have all of me. Wait, you can have my future. Yeah. You can have my body. You can have my womb. You can have all of me. Be it unto me. You know why God chose Mary? I think because Mary had already chosen God. (laughs) Yeah. Do you believe God still wants to do something big today? Big. Say, well, it's 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 all going to nothing and the end is coming. Absolutely. I was just reading something the other day, just the other day, however, in, uh, in, uh, in Dubai, in Abu Dhabi, how they have built three, three churches on one, a Catholic church, a Muslim mosque, and a Jewish temple in this, this huge, great thing of, of religious unity. It's like, oh, it's getting so close. You can almost, you can almost hear the practice of the trumpets. You know, they're just kind of tuning up. Well, what's it matter? It's we're just coming to the end. What's a soul worth? 
Do you not think somebody getting saved is big? That's pretty big. Somebody's eternal destiny changed forever? Oh, that's big. That's big. I tell you, I think God still wants to do something big today. Let me ask you this. If he wanted to do something big today, would he choose you? Would he choose me? Maybe you're watching online. Would he choose you? You know what I've wondered? I mean, this this comes to some little bit of deductive reasoning here. But I've wondered if more of us had the heart of Mary. I wonder if we would see God do greater things in our own generation. Because he'd have more people to use. Let me just leave you with this. A few questions. Do you have a perfect heart? Do you have a servant's heart? Do you really want God's will for your life? Do you really think God can do something big through you? Would He choose you? When God has called, what's your reply been? Has it been, Behold the servant of the Lord? Whatever you want. Or has it been, boy, I don't know. You know, when you think of a servant of the Lord, does a servant really have to be begged to go to church? Does a servant of the Lord really have to be begged to give? Does a servant of God with 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 a perfect heart, do they really need to be begged to go witness Does a servant really need to be begged to be helpful to others? Well, the Bible says Jesus went about doing good. Right? The old, the old adage, oh, he, he helps old ladies across the street. Well, that well, that's a part, I mean, where'd that go? I mean, that used to be just a part of, you know, a, a virtuous life of being good and helping others. Yeah. That's why Mike is going to come shovel our driveway tomorrow. <clears throat> just kidding. Hey, God still wants to do something big today. He still wants to save the lost. Absolutely. Would He choose you? Do you know if He can't choose you now, there's always hope that He can choose you if you just change your heart and have a heart for God. It's always hope. It's always hope. Hearts can change. Hearts can change. Would to God that we'd be like, we'd all be like Mary and just say, God, I'm your slave. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. May God help us to be that way. Father, thank you tonight for your word. <clears throat> what, a, what a beautiful thing that you have preserved for us to see tonight the heart and the mind of Mary. It's convicting. It's beautiful. It's hopeful. We're thankful for it tonight. God, if there's anything in our heart and life that is veered away from you, we beg your Holy Spirit to show us. God, that we would have a heart for you again. That we would have the 
the answer that, that Mary had. Just the slave of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Father, would you work in all of us to have that heart? And we'll look forward to what great things that you accomplish. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll stand just a moment here. and piano's going to play. And however the Lord has spoken to you tonight, you respond to Him right where you are. You can just respond to the Lord. Do you have a heart for God? Has your heart gotten away from God? Can I tell you, it can come back. Don't care where it's been, it can come back. It can absolutely come back. Amen. Well, be careful out there tomorrow, <clears throat> or just stay home if you can. That's always fun. And uh, you burning wood? You know, I thought Jack said he was cutting wood or something. Okay. Well, good, because you don't have to.